Hello, welcome to Staycation. My name is Julia Weiser, and as we cannot travel, I am on what I like to call a perpetual staycation. And uh, I'm going to tell you some stories. I'm going to look around my apartment and find some objects to tell you a story about. This time I, I had to dig. Uh, I went into the memory box. Um, that makes it sound fancy. It's just a giant Tupperware full of stuff I can't seem to get rid of in case I might want to look at it one day. And guess what? Today's the day. Compared to other times I've recorded, I feel there are going to be a lot of noises, potential noise intrusions today. Um, for one thing, it's the middle of the day and not late at night. For another thing, my cat Vinny is sitting on all of the papers that I've pulled out of this box. Um, and he's already making crinkling noises. Also, he might meow. Also, I've closed all the windows, but I have some new, very noisy neighbors. Anywho, I'm sure you're just dying to know what is in this box. Um, well, first of all, some books from my childhood, which I've decided I'm no longer going to keep in the box. I'm going to make a place for them on my main bookshelf, and if that means I have to get rid of some stupid self-help book I'm never going to read again, then so be it. If you want any stupid self-help books, let me know. I don't know. I don't know what kind of mood I'm in. They're not stupid. They're actually really good books. That's why I keep them. I actually triage my bookshelf all the time. Um, I'm just in that kind of a mood where I realized that self-help books are taking up a lot of room on my shelf when I could have <clears throat> Freaky Friday yeah from the mixed up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frank Wheeler the best uh, children's book in the world um, oh Mitchell is Moving by Marjorie Weinman Sharmat. Mitchell is Moving is um, a book about a dinosaur that moves away. And my parents gave it to me in 1985, probably because we were moving away. And it is so, so, so good. So, yeah, the dinosaur's name is Mitchell, obviously. And his best friend is named Margot. So Mitchell is a blue dinosaur and Margot is a, an orange dinosaur. And they live next door to each other. And Mitchell is just tired. He's just tired of his house and he wants to move and she's offended by that. And it's just absolutely the best book. So that's going on my bookshelf and I'm never getting rid of it. I have a Winnie the Pooh book I found in this box. I have a Dr. Seuss book. Um, the first book I ever read by myself, One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. Um, 
I have a copy of Le Petit Prince. Um, I have uh, a George and Martha book. George and Martha are hippopotamuses. Is that right? Yeah, they're, they're hippos. This book was written in 1972. Um, these books are so good. They're written by James Marshall. Uh, highly, re highly recommend that. Uh, I have just a really, really old book my dad gave me called Lassie and the Cub Scout. I don't know if I'm going to keep that. It's cute because it's old. And I guess Lassie's cute. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, what else have I got here? I've got... The Elephant's Child by Rudyard Kipling. Also old. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to keep that either. And, uh, oh, in a book called Penguins of the World. Obviously, I'm going to keep that. You know, there are so many kinds of penguins. And they all live in the southern hemisphere, but they don't all live in cold places. Some of them live in the desert. Some of them live in South Africa. Some of them live in Chile. Yeah, penguins of the world. I've met a few penguin types of penguins. I've met a little blue penguin in Australia and New Zealand. The yellow-eyed penguin in New Zealand. Uh, I would like to meet more penguins. Like, not in a zoo, I mean. A zoo is fine, I guess, as long as they're being treated well. But I mean, my goal in life is to see more types of penguins in their natural habitat. Okay, what else is in this box? Uh, photo albums. I'd say around 2007 I stopped getting photos printed. Um, also in this box are a bunch of journals, which means that I have made a liar of myself. In my very first episode of this podcast, I said that I got rid of my journals. I think what I meant was I got rid of my childhood and teenager journals. I think that's what I meant, that I've been dragging them, them around every time I moved, and I decided to stop doing that. But I still have journals from 2009 onward. And I think I need to get rid of some of them as well. Uh, oh, and I still have journals, travel journals from 2005 from New Zealand. Uh, which is going to come in handy, I think, uh, for today's episode. Um... So I'll hang on to those for a bit, at least, or maybe my entire life. I don't know. So yeah, photo albums. Uh, also just photos in envelopes. Some of them have a helpful marker on the envelope. You know, like, 
high school camp. Uh, you know, family, something, something, something. Some of them just say random photos in no order. Um, and I appreciate my own honesty on that. And sometimes that's fun. You don't know what you're going to get. You're like, whoa. Holy shit. Um, my yearbooks are in this box. All my school photos from nursery school to grade eight. After grade eight, that seems to be the end of school photos. And school photos migrate to being housed in the yearbooks. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, also, I have all sorts of poems and short stories I wrote as a child and as a teenager. The short stories are as a child. The poems are both as a child and as a teenager. My cat is currently sitting on a collection of haiku I wrote in grade 12 for English class. I was always writing funny, mildly irreverent haiku whenever being asked to write a poem in order to avoid feeling my feelings. That's a good strategy, right? Um, pretty sure I still do things like that. Although I don't think anyone's asked me to write a poem in a long time. Um, I have some zines that I made in high school. I'm very excited to open that envelope. Um, I have a diary that my mother gave me that I've never read. It's a diary that she kept when she was pregnant with me, and they are letters to me, to unborn me. I never asked for this. I don't want it. Um, I opened it once at a random page when I was like 13. Probably not 13, probably older. And it made me feel too many feelings, so I immediately closed it. And my goal is to finally read it this year. Um, it's coming up to Mother's Day. Well, it's, yeah, okay. You can give me that, right? Like, yes, it's only April and Mother's Day is in May, but it's still coming up to. It's coming up to my 40th birthday. Uh, I've decided I'm never going to have children. I have to read this at some point because I'll regret it if I uh, never read it or read it after she's dead. Um, yeah, I don't want to read it because I don't want to feel all those feelings. What feelings specifically am I talking about? I'm talking about the expectations that I know that my mother had about having a baby. And the baby is me. Um, 
and them just not matching reality. I, I can't really handle that. But, um, yeah, my goal is uh, 2021. I'm going to handle it. I'm going to handle that shit. Uh, maybe I'll even tell you all about it. Maybe that'll be part of an episode. God forbid it should be a whole episode. That sounds terrible. Ugh. Anyway. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to keep living in the emotional land of a teenager who just doesn't want to read this. Does that make sense? I also want to re-re-learn how to drive this year. That's an adult thing I want to do, uh, turning 40. Don't ask me why I need to re-re-learn to drive. I don't want to talk about it. Wow, I don't want to talk about anything. Why am I even recording this? Um, Just kidding. I want to talk about New Zealand. So I'm not going to get out the travel journal just yet. Because it's in the pile of things the cat is sitting on. Maybe later today. I did go through my photo albums. And I do have quite a few of these photos online as well. Um, So after I finished my bachelor's degree, I decided to go away. Um... And I decided to go on a working holiday visa, which is available to people, young people in Commonwealth countries, to go to other Commonwealth countries and uh, work. Working holiday. It was. It was. It was more of a holiday than a working holiday. But it definitely wasn't a staycation. That's for sure. Uh, so I went for six months. Yeah, I went to New Zealand for six months. Um, in preparation, I mostly did a lot of research about what to pack. Oh, this was in 2005, by the way. Context. Context is important. Yeah, I bought a giant backpack. I'd say overall I did a good job packing, although I did not bring enough pairs of underwear. I seemed to think that I would, I don't know, wash my underwear in the sink or something. No. Women's underwear is pretty small in general. You can bring tons of it. And I say you should. But it wasn't, of course, a big deal because, you know, they have underwear stores in New Zealand. So I don't really know why I obsessed about everything to buy. It's like I thought they didn't have things to buy over there, which they absolutely do. (laughs) Um, I'm laughing because they have things to buy anywhere you could go. But in particular, New Zealand is a country that culturally resembles Canada a lot so it's sort of funny that I thought I had to think of everything in advance because I really really didn't so I thought a lot about that and then I decided 
because I'm a person who meticulously plans everything, I decided not to plan this trip very much. I decided um, I was going to go woofing. So woofing used to stand for Willing Workers on Organic Farms and now stands for Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms because I think they thought Willing Workers sounded a bit like slavery, although slavery is unwilling workers. Something made them change, to keep the letters and change what it stood for. Something. Something made them change. Um... So, woofing is still going. Uh, at that time, they had cute little booklets you could send away for. That no longer exists, of course, everything is online. Um, so, I sent away for the book, booklet. Um, and it had every participant in New Zealand in this program was either a family or a farm or both that were willing to host volunteers on their farm slash home in exchange for room and board. I say farm slash home because although in theory they were all organic farms, uh, that's totally a lie. Most of them were just people's homes and they maybe had a couple of chickens or they maybe had a huge garden or something which is fine I didn't actually want to learn anything about farming and I'm no good at manual labor so yeah I'll weed your garden and wash your dishes no problemo um so I planned my first woof I emailed the people that I wanted to start my woofing experience with. So I planned to fly to Auckland and stay in a hostel. I booked that too. Um, stay in a hostel for a week, then go to this woof. And then after that, leave everything up to chance. And it worked out really well. Um, I think I talked about in one of my episodes where I was talking about going to Austin, like the sweet spot between planning a trip too much and not planning it at all. Um, yeah, I nailed that in 2005. Also, it's true what they say about New Zealand, or it was then, that everyone is really friendly and helpful. So that definitely helped. Um, and, you know... I was like a young, nice-looking white woman, right? Non-threatening. So that helps, too. Um, but yeah, I definitely nailed it. So I was really happy when I got on the airplane to go to, to New Zealand because I had felt very observed my whole life. Oh, how old was I in 2005? Well, I was born in 1981. So, math. Guess I was 24. 
I don't know. I'm still drinking my tea right now. You might hear me slurp it or like put the mug down every now and again. It is 1.40 in the afternoon and I still am not awake. But hey, what are you going to do? It's Good Friday, right? Good Friday. Yeah. Someone's screaming outside. I think it's a child. Whew. Things got a lot noisier around here. Ever since these people moved in. I think maybe it's two separate noisy families or noisy people that moved in. I don't see how one family could make this much difference. This used to be a quiet building. I sound like an old curmudgeon. This used to be a quiet building. No, but seriously, it was really quiet when I moved in. It's one of the reasons I liked it. Okay, well, I'll have to get over that. Sorry, you have to go through this with me, but it's April 2nd, so, like, they just moved in recently, so I'm not over it yet. Okay, thank you for humoring me. Um... Two thousand five, twenty-four years old, planning, not over planning. Oh yeah, I was really excited when I got on the airplane. Yes, I was saying I felt very observed in my life up until that point. I didn't feel like an adult um, at all. Uh, I lived with my mother and my stepfather. Maybe that's a good reason why. I, I felt very observed and not like an adult. So I was just excited to be have that sort of freedom that I knew I was going to have. And to do things and not tell anyone about it. And no one would know. Is that absurd? Do any of you understand what I mean? Just like go to a movie not tell anyone because it was a stupid movie. Go to a concert. Not tell anyone. Uh, go in New Zealand, just like, I don't know, go to the beach. It's hard to explain, particularly if you were had the opposite kind of childhood where no one was watching you. You probably want in some ways, someone to pay attention to you, uh, which I get as well. I'm not advocating neglect. But I just felt and still feel in many ways as though the people in my family view me, well, on my mother's side of the family, view me as an extension of themselves and are watching me constantly to see what I do so they can comment on it to each other, or if it's a good thing, brag about it to somebody. And if they think it's a bad thing, then they can worry about it or worry about how it reflects on them. Maybe this is a Jewish thing. Probably other um, 
immigrant groups as well, like observing your children and hoping they pick certain careers or do well or reflect well upon you. Um, and I'm sure there are lots of non-Jewish, non-immigrant families who do that to their children as well. And if I had children, maybe I'd be doing it to them right now. Really couldn't say. But I just have this cat sleeping on my childhood poems. Um, so I got on the airplane. I was just thrilled. It's a very long airplane ride. Very, 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 very long. I was just thrilled with everyone's New Zealand accent on the plane. I was just like, yeah, this is great. I already made a friend, you know. People really were friendly. Like, the woman next to me on the airplane really did give me her her phone number or her address or something in Auckland in case I needed it. I never called her, but um, that's just really nice and really generous. Um, the other thing I had set up, I had planned, um, was I had contacted a young woman that I had met on a Greyhound bus in Western Canada a couple years prior and she had said if you're ever in New Zealand you should look me up and you should stay with me and what I didn't realize is that people say things they don't mean to be nice um, I realize that now but I didn't realize that then that if someone says you know, if you're ever in New Zealand, you should look me up and stay with me. They don't necessarily think you're actually going to do it. It's because I personally, personally would never say that if I didn't mean it. So I had a hard time understanding that other people are different from me. And that they might say things because they were culturally conditioned or taught to be polite in that way. So I had written to her and said, you know, I'm coming to New Zealand for six months. I'm starting with the North Island and working my way down to the South Island where I know that you live. She lived in Dunedin. You know, when I get to the South Island, can I stay with you? And she said, yes. Um, so that's coming up in the story. So I got to Auckland. I took some sort of shuttle thing to my hostel. It was very early in the morning, so I went to a coffee shop to get a coffee and was charmed and baffled by the things you could order like a flat white. I was just like, what is that? I still don't know what a flat white is, but I think it has something to do with an espresso with milk. Yeah. Still don't know. Um, but there was enough recognizable things for me to find something I wanted and knew what it was. Uh, the price alarmed me. 
and the prices continued to alarm me every day for six months. Because I'm just a really stingy person. And I was just like, ah! You know, every time I went to the grocery store, particularly cheese. They make cheese in New Zealand. You know, they have sheep and stuff. Cows, I guess. But it's still really, really expensive. I thought that only the things that they didn't make on the island would be expensive because they had to import it. No. The cheese was absurdly expensive. So every single time for six months, I'd go in the grocery store and look at the cost of cheese. I'd go, ah, like that. And then buy it anyway because I love cheese. They say that there's something in cheese, some ingredient or protein or something in cheese that makes you actually addicted to it. And I believe it. If you can be addicted to cheese, I am. Okay, so once, I dis- once it was 8 in the morning, I decided that was a fine time to go to the hostel and get out of the coffee shop. Um, so I rang the doorbell or knocked on the door, and Ilona answered. And I thought that she worked there, but she didn't. I was too early for the people who worked there. She was just staying there and was a person who liked to get up early. And she turned out to be um, a really good friend. Um, But I didn't know that when I opened the door. I just knew that she was really, really nice. And she was from Germany, and she showed me around. And I found my room and my bed and everything. And then I went in the kitchen to, I don't know, what the hell was I doing in the kitchen? Um, drink more tea, drink more coffee, have another flat white, I don't know. And there were more Germans in there. And I remember saying, where's the garbage? And one of the Germans said, what's a garbage? And I thought, oh boy. And I sort of scoured my brain, my morning, just got off the airplane brain for what the British word for garbage is. And I was like, where's the rubbish? And she was like, oh, it's just over there. And I was like, great. Um, I love Britishisms and New Zealandisms. I, I love it. But I was a little concerned that I couldn't make myself known or understood, sorry. But yeah, we fixed that. We fixed that right quick. Um, Auckland itself didn't interest me all that much. I thought it was okay. Um, I went to the aquarium with Alona. That was cool. Just sort of wandered around. That was fine. And then, uh, presumably, I somehow got to my woofing. But... Ilona had bought a car, and she was going on this long trip that she had planned originally with her ex-boyfriend, and she was now doing it herself, and I just thought that was so cool, very independent of her, Uh, to be like, fuck it, I'm doing this trip anyway, I'm buying a car and driving it around the whole 
of the two islands. So I met up with her later, somehow, somewhere, and we drove around for a while. And yeah, it was great. But for the time being, I went to my woof, and it was these really cute, like, 50-year-old lesbians on a small farm, and they only wanted female guests. And I think I chose that as my first one just out of a sense of safety as a woman traveling alone that I wasn't going to be probably assaulted and it was a good one to pick although they did not know what to make of me because <laughs> I had a shaved head or really really short hair and they just assumed I was a lesbian but they could also tell that I maybe wasn't and they were just genuinely confused by me and fair enough you know fair enough uh they were super, 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 super nice. One of them gave me her old cell phone. So now I had a cell phone, which is incredibly useful, of course. Just really above and beyond welcoming. I can't really remember what I did for them. I weeded the garden. Oh, there's a picture of me with... um on like a little four by four, which is funny. I never thought a picture like that would ever exist, but I just saw it and uh, I look like I'm having a good time, I guess. I do remember at one point digging a hole and hurting my back and lying in bed at night thinking, what am I doing? Like, I'm not cut out for manual labor. This is stupid. And then my back healed because, you know, I was young. And I learned from that. Like, yeah, backs heal if you rest them. Just, I had been panicking sort of in the bed at night and then learned something from the fact that, that it was okay in the morning. Um, you know how everything seems worse at night. And they had this, uh, I have a picture of them sitting on this couch made of stone or marble or, no, not marble, stone outside. And they had like a fake lamp out there too. I just thought it was so funny that they had a living room outside. Um, and then, yeah, after that, I just kept um, kept woofing. I went more north. I went as north as you can possibly go. How did I get around? I don't know. I took the bus. People drove me. To, people drove me. My host drove me to bus stops, I think. That's what I think happened. Later I hitchhiked, but never alone. So that hasn't come into the story yet, the, hitch the hitchhiking. 
So I went very north. I went to a farm that had a lot of other woofers, which was fun. I stayed in a, I want to say caravan. I think I mean a little trailer is, I think, what I mean, which was a bit cold. They didn't feed us enough also, but I didn't stay there very long. And some other woofers wanted to leave and they said I could come with them. And that was mildly dangerous in that they drove way, 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 way too fast. So you sort of feel helpless in that instance, like you're not in control of what's going on. But, you know, turned out fine. I'm still here. Uh, absolutely beautiful up north that far in New Zealand. Most people don't go up there. Every single place in New Zealand is beautiful in its own way. It's absolutely gorgeous. But that was sort of something special, I think. Very, this, I want to say rugged. That's a cliche. But um, it's sort of sparse coastline with hardly any people. Um, yeah, I must have met up with Alona eventually. We drove around. So I wasn't always woofing. ABW, always be woofing. Uh, no, I wasn't always. I um, stayed in a lot of hostels. The hostels in New Zealand are super cute. Or they were then. Just really adorable, charming. Uh, with a lot of personality. So, New Zealand slang. Or expressions. How are you going? Instead of how is it going? To which I would reply, by car. <laughs> I'm so funny. Sweet as, not to be confused with sweet ass. Uh, how do you use sweet as? Uh, someone says, check out this amazing cheese I just bought. And you say, sweet as, to which I would always reply, sweet as what? And no one would ever answer me. Um, chook is a chicken. Um, tramping means hiking. Togs uh, refer to your swimsuit, your swimming gear. And a batch is uh, a summer home by the water. Um, those are some New Zealand expressions for you. At one point, I ended up in Wellington, which is the capital, uh, which is pretty cute in a sort of Ottawa way, I guess. It doesn't look like Ottawa, just, you know, like a small capital that is not actually the main city. The relationship of Wellington to Auckland is like Ottawa to Toronto. Um, I ended up house-sitting for someone that the woofing lesbians knew. And I was looking after her cats and her plants and her garden. 
and I didn't talk to anyone for 10 days, except uh, clerks at the grocery store to say thank you. And I guess that prepared me for my eventual 10-day silent meditation 12 years later. Um, I listened to the same CDs over and over and over and over and over again to the point where I drove myself a little bit mad. Um, to this day, I have a hard time listening to Tracy Chapman because I basically ruined it for myself. Uh, I read a lot of novels. This particular person I was house-sitting for was a retired English professor. Um, and I'm not sure if I was happy or not. Sort of yes, sort of no. Um, and there was a neighbor, um, sort of cute old man, that I had been told that I could phone if I was lonely, but I was too shy. I'm not shy. I'm not a shy person. Too awkward. So I didn't do it, and I wish I had because uh, I love old men, especially eccentric old men, which I think he was. I'm always looking for um, a grandpa figure because my grandfathers died either uh, before I was born or when I was very young. I had three of them. I had a step-grandfather, too. Somewhere in there, I think on the North Island, Wellington's at the bottom of the North Island of New Zealand, somewhere in there I went on a bad woof. Just a bad woof. I had promised myself that I would never go woofing alone. Um, and stay with a man who lived alone. I thought that was a good rule. But then I got to this part of the country where there was nothing. I kept calling people and they all didn't want any woofers or already had woofers. And I didn't know where to go, so I broke my own rule. And I shouldn't have. Because this particular man wasn't a creep, thankfully. But he was an asshole. He was a real asshole. He picked me up at a bus station. And I was a bit late because the bus was a bit late. Because that's what buses do usually, right? Buses, trains, planes, they're usually a bit late. And the first thing he said was, I was just about to leave. And honestly, I should have just been like, leave then. But I don't know what I would have done. I, I, I guess I would have just gotten on another bus and gone somewhere else. That's what I should have done. done. Um, he was from England. He had a Liverpool accent. I so wish I could do it for you, that Liverpool accent. But I can't. Sadly. Um, the car ride to his house was horrible. He asked me if I could cook, and I said no. And he was really upset about this. And then he said, 
What are you going to do when you get married? Feed your husband McDonald's? And I said, he can cook. And then that, that sort of made that guy laugh. Um, but like, yeah. I mean, there are so many things I wanted to say. Who's to say I'm going to get married? Uh, you know, anyway. Um, pretty much everyone who met me at that time presumed I was a lesbian, except him. He wanted to know what I was going to feed my husband when I got married. Uh, so it became clear that he just wanted young women woofers to cook for him because he didn't want to cook anything ever. And uh, fortunately, I guess I wasn't technically breaking my rule because there was another female woofer there, but I don't think I knew that going in. But thank goodness she was there, and she knew how to cook. But he never gave us enough food to work with. Um, he would only give us vegetables from his garden, and there wasn't much. So we couldn't have vegetables from the store. I honestly don't remember what we ate, except that she made macaroni and cheese one time, and it was pretty good. But I don't remember what else. And right from the beginning, he, he didn't like me, clearly. Um, something about me rubbed him the wrong way. He thought I was a snobby, wealthy person. Um, and he would, you know, rub his fingers together and be like, don't have a lot of cash, you know. <laughs> to demonstrate his poverty to me. And I was like, yeah, got it. Understood. Just getting up to get some water. Y'all are going to have to listen to the water. Glug, glug, glug. Into the glass. There it goes. And my slurp. Did you hear me slurp? No, sorry. <laughs> That's not really what I sound like when I drink water. That was an exaggeration for you. Uh, so this guy had some roommate named Ray. And Ray was always sleeping. So you couldn't make noise because you couldn't wake Ray. Um, he was sleeping during the day. Be like, don't wake Ray. He works hard. He works the night shift. Do you know what it's like to work the night shift? And at some point, I just turned to my host, and I was like, yeah, I worked um, the night shift on a suicide hotline. And that shut him up for about five seconds. But it didn't, in the long term, make any difference. The only thing that made any difference was... I actually stood up to him one time. I told him to stop treating me like shit because I was a woofer and not a slave. And then he stopped treating me like shit. Is there a lesson there? No, there's no lesson. It could equally have gone wrong for me. The only lesson is that I should have left right away. I, I don't believe that, like, 
if you just stand up for yourself, no, like it was bad there and I should have left. Uh, eventually I did leave, of course. Um, that was my worst woof. By and large, everyone in New Zealand was really nice to me. All my woofing, woofing hosts were lovely. Um, I learned a lot about Buddhism. Don't ask me why. There are just a lot of Buddhists I ended up hanging out with. I went to a Buddhist monastery once. That was cool. I read a lot of books about meditation and meditated a little bit. Um, people were just, yeah, people were just amazing. Um, the whole trip, I didn't have any romantic interests. I think that was really good for me. I was trying to get over some guy, and uh, I did. I got over him. Um, so I'm going to end there and then there's going to be a part two. I just don't believe in having really, 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 really long podcast episodes. It's just not my thing. If you have or like podcasts that go over an hour, podcast episodes that go over an hour, that's fine for you. But I just... Just don't believe in it. Um, so happy Easter weekend. Unless, of course, you're listening to this later, which you probably are. In which case, happy whatever. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Happy that. And uh, sweet as...